0: welcome to preaching and preachers a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself i'm your host jason allen president of midwestern baptist theological seminary today i want to welcome my friend dr bart barber to the podcast pastor barber serves as a current pastor of the first baptist church in farmersville texas where he's been since 1999 he's also currently serving as president of the southern baptist convention And he's a man whom I've known for many years and uh, have always been delighted and encouraged every time we're together. So, Bart, welcome to Preaching and Preachers.
1: I'm delighted to be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah, we're on the campus today of Midwestern Seminary here recording the Spurgeon Library in the studio. And uh, we just had a wonderful chapel service and then a luncheon where we were able to visit with friends. and, And you and I have a conversation in public about local church ministry. Southern Baptist Convention, a bit about your own personal life and story. So it's good to kind of complete the day here in the studio to talk about local church ministry, and in particular to cultivating tenure in local church. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, our listeners tend to be seminary students, local church pastors, local church ministers, various tribes. And so over the years, the conversations about local church ministry, which are frequent, tend to be the most positively received. So grateful to get to have this conversation with you today. That's my passion and yours too, I know. That's right. So before we get into the guts of the conversation, give us a sense as to what's new in the life of Pastor Bart Barber, local church, family. And not so much the ins and outs of SBC presidency, but a word or two about that would be helpful also.
1: Sure. So the presidency of the SBC was not something I anticipated happening, but that has been really a blessing. It's had some cost in terms of local church ministry and family because there's some time away. But it's also been a blessing in terms of local church ministry and family in some ways, too. I think my church is kind of proud that I'm president of the SBC. That's the first time that's ever happened for FBC Farmersville. We're the size of a church, that we wouldn't have anticipated that. So the new hasn't completely worn off of that yet. But also my family, I've got two children, Jim and Sarah. Jim's 19, Sarah's 16, and they're getting to meet some people they didn't think they would ever get to meet, and there's some fun to it as well. But there is also cost just in terms of time and attention sometimes. Southern Baptists have been really good to me. I've been gone two days to be here in Kansas City. I'll get back. I'll have four or five cards from churches, Sunday school classes, things like that, just say, hey, we, you're on our regular prayer list. We're praying for you. And, and there've really been some blessings out of all of this. God's good in every season of life. And he certainly is now.
0: You know, you're getting those cards in greater volume these days because you're SBC president than, than I'm getting them. But I do get these cards probably, you know, once or twice a month, a random Sunday school class, a random WMU, a random church. Well, just send me a card saying, we prayed for you in Midwestern Seminary this week. And there'll be, you know, Maybe a few names. Sometimes there'll be like a few
1: dozen names signed on this. And uh, it means so much when you get those. That's when you know why the SBC keeps working. That's right. It's because those people are doing that.
0: That's right. That's right. So we're talking today about cultivating tenure in the local church. Now I, I brushed up against this topic a bit in our conversation after lunch today in front of a room full of people. And you've been at First Baptist Farmersville, Texas now about 23 and a half years, that's correct? Right.
1: Yeah, since 1999. And,
0: and I asked the question something like, you know, how do you stay there for nearly a quarter century? And then you kind of playfully said, Well, you stay there by, for nearly a quarter century by not leaving. And it and that's true, but but it's a bit more complicated than that. So I want to end the conversation first of all, just by acknowledging one, one who loves a local church, as you and I do, both of us believe in the importance, even the power, I mean, in the right spiritual biblical sense of a long tenure in a local church. But we also entered acknowledging that you had several pastorates before Farmersville that were relatively brief. I've served different churches, but never for decades, because God's called my life was, was Kansas City. And so my tenures were, were shorter, even though I, I believe and appreciate that, generally speaking, uh, it's healthiest for the pastor, his family, for the church, for tenure to increase. So, with that, give us a sense, if you would, Bart, just the broad contours of 23 and a half years. Again, just the broad contours of the general kind of ebb and flow of sweetness, of challenge, of moments where you felt like, okay, I've kind of went from being like the pastor to being their pastor. Mm. You know, those sorts of moments.
1: I think it probably varies some from church to church because I think that the past history of each local congregation. Causes them when you go as pastor to have some expectation of how long they think you're going to stay. And that's going to be based upon previous experience with other pastors. And I've been at churches where that was two and a half, three years. When I came to FBC Farmersville, it was a little bit different. I knew what the national average was for how long a pastor would stay. In the little meet and greet mixer, the weekend I was preaching in view of a call. I remember having a lady, turned out to be a dear friend of ours, a sweet senior adult lady, who said, I just want to know this. Are you going to stay? Because every time we get a pastor, they're barely here before they leave. And I knew that my predecessor had been there seven years, and his predecessor had been there eight years. And I knew that her experience was pastoral tenures that were at least double the national average and maybe longer. But in her mind, that was short. That was a brief stay. And they'd done doctoral work. Both of them had gone to Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth and had gotten some sort of a doctorate while they were there. And when they'd finished their doctoral work, they'd left. Well, I was doing doctoral work, too. And when I finished my degree and then did not leave, that was the moment when I broke past what their expectations were. And then it really became easier to be the pastor because they were impressed by the idea that i loved them and wanted to be there and that they weren't just a tool to a degree for me that i mean they loved the other guys too none of them did that either but they thought that i would stay and it opened doors for me as a pastor i had the honeymoon at the beginning just like everybody does uh, somebody wise once said that the three stages of most relationships is illusion disillusion and then adjustment and that's the way it was there too about 3 years old i remember It was somebody's idea to let leadership in the church fill out anonymous cards of suggestion or critique of my pastoral leadership at FBC Farmersville. I was devastated. Did someone think that would be helpful? Yeah, somebody thought that was going to be helpful. And they weren't anywhere close to firing me or being fed up with my ministry or anything. But they did just think that there were ways they'd like for me to improve. And that was a really ham-fisted way to do that and it hurt. It hurt really badly. At, at my first church, I would have left then because I would have been hurt by that, but I didn't that time. And we moved past the illusion of the honeymoon, the disillusionment of that post-honeymoon crash into a time where, you know, now I can honestly say I know everything wrong with my congregation as a congregation, and they know everything wrong with me as a pastor and a preacher and administrator and whatever else but we love each other and we believe that God's called us to be in this together and so once we got past that time and once I broke through that uh, around 8 years sure enough at 10 then that was when I really you know became their their pastor that's sweet to hear you
0: mentioned uh, in conversation with me previously I think you said kind of three different episodes in 23 and a half years that were particularly challenging seasons. And You don't have to get into the details of all of that, but talk a little bit about your growth curve personally, spiritually, pastorally, and also perhaps you're on the backside of those, the deepening of the relationships with God's people there.
1: Completely. Crises are hard. You'll lose people during crises, but they're also the times that knit you together with the people who are there in a lot of ways, a shared kind of foxhole trauma together that you walk through and come to the other side, forges a, a tight bond. That For us, that's been church, seasons of church difficulty and seasons of personal difficulty. We had three episodes at the church, one where there was a sexual predator who was a member of our church. It wasn't staff member at our church. It wasn't anything that happened at a church event or on church property or anything like that. It was just a guy who was abusing teenage boys in his personal life who was also a member of our church, and some of the victims were members of our church too. That was a very difficult time after that, even though we handled everything in a way that people would acknowledge today, even to be right. And knowing what the best practices are in this area is something that grows and develops year by year. So we lost some members there, but we also really developed closer relationships with people for having walked through that time. Problems and crises are opportunities to demonstrate leadership, And, you know, if you do the right thing there, people can gain some confidence, even if it's hard. The second one was a time when the Islamic Association of Collin County bought land to build a Muslim cemetery just outside of Farmersville. And I've written about religious liberty. It's something that I'm committed to as a Baptist and because I believe it's biblical doctrine. And not everybody, not even all the Southern Baptists in Farmersville, Texas, agreed about that. There was a great deal of conflict, citywide conflict. We lost some members from that, too. But also, you know, had the blessing of growing closer with some of the folks who were still there. And then COVID was a pretty major struggle, not only in terms of first time in my lifetime that I've been a part of a church that stopped gathering physically uh, for worship, but also just in terms of the way that everybody was completely convinced that they knew exactly the right thing to do for all the decisions that we face. It's just that they didn't agree with each other. So they were all completely certain that they were right and completely certain that everybody else was wrong. And I think a lot of pastors probably experienced that over the last few years. You know, in the midst of that, God has added people too. We've been blessed along the way, and those things have knit us together in some ways. We also, in our personal life, we had several things that happened. We had some adoptions that didn't go through, some, you know, really difficult personal times, so much so that I was talking to a church about the possibility of leaving a few years ago and got pretty deep in the process, and I was in the middle of an interview with them and eventually just looked at this search. committee. By the way, I don't recommend this if you're trying to go to church. Looked at this search committee, and I said, after talking about what our church means to us, I just kind of said in front of them, there's no way on earth that you're as good a church as FBC Farmersville is. Just not possible. I think we all at that point saw the wisdom of my just staying at FBC Farmersville yeah. instead of going to what was really a much larger church. And But those things, the hard times that if you're not careful would let you be chased away from a church can become the very things that knit you together as you walk through those times together with your congregation and and love each other for the the things that you've worked through.
0: Over the years uh, in local church ministry settings and talking with friends like yourself who are pastoring, some have been short tenures, and they're thinking through how to cultivate a longer tenure. Others have been there a long time. They've had some near misses. They look back and thought five years ago, eight years ago, I almost went to this other ministry opportunity. I have often said that, that two motivations you hope are not a part of a relocation are motivations of fear or frustration now the truth of the matter sometimes God will use one of those and oftentimes the latter one to, to stir an opening to something else right but you fundamentally don't want to be leaving out of fear of something about your current place, whether it be of a person or perhaps changes in the church and you wonder if they'll be able to support you in eighteen months or out of frustration because of a person has been unkind or a group of people have been unkind uh, how have you dealt with either those realities in 23 to a half years, a little frustration here and there, perhaps some fear. Will they support me? Will they stay with me? How have you dealt with those
1: emotions? The fear part of it, I had that more in some of the earlier church experiences uh, serving as a pastor. I was 29 when I went to FBC Farmersville, but I had a long resume of service by that point. And in some of those, I had been kind of frightened away by What today I look at and see is just a little bit of conflict, but it feels like the world's falling down around you. When you're young and and you're early in church life and somebody comes along and disagrees with you, maybe disagrees with you strongly, sternly, I've come to the point where I've recognized that God's people aren't a threat to me if God's on my side. I'm not denying that people are hurt by churches, and that people are fired by churches. I knew somebody who was fired by text message from a church. I mm. mean, that's that's terrible. But it's simply that God's people in the aggregate, the Lord is the good shepherd over all of the sheep and all of the folds allotted to all of the charges. And I've just always believed that he who called me into ministry would help me land on my feet no matter what happened. And then I think the other thing that I would say is I've learned to be afraid of some of the things that I might do when I'm afraid or when I'm frustrated. Or tired. Or tired. One of the reasons that some people have short tenure is because when they encounter conflict with somebody on a subject, the first time they do, they move them from the God's people to Satan's entrenched enemies in the church list. And you're gonna have difference of opinion with people. And that's kind of an irretrievable move if you make enemies out of someone just because they they don't agree with you about something. After two or three years of moving people from the nice list to the naughty list, you're going to be out of people. That's right. And so then you wind up moving somewhere else to start that process over again. When you're fearful, you can do that. When you're too frustrated, you can do that. When you're tired, you can do that. But I think when you maintain some balance and maturity in your approach as a pastor, you can look and see that this person who really disagrees with the change I want to make to Sunday school curriculum today May be my strongest ally next year, and a change I want to make to the worship service rather than fear it requires a loving hope in the movement of the Holy Spirit on people in your church, in the aggregate over the long haul, the ability to look and say, "I think we're going to mess this one up." and sometimes when I thought we were going to mess it up, I was the one who's wrong in our church, and the congregation went a different way, and I came to see the wisdom of that later on but to look and be able to say, we're going to get this one wrong, but on the whole, God's going to help us get things right. I don't have to have my way every time. I can move past this thing and trust the law of averages with the Holy Spirit at work in the people to say that we're going to be in a good place overall.
0: That's well said. So let me try to pull together the conversation today with two final questions. The first is an aspirational one. For our listeners, why should they aspire? To having a long tenure in a church, why is tenure something that they should aspire for? And then the second question related is going to be any practical words you have about how to cultivate that, whether it's people skills, whether it's a, a healthy life rhythm, so you're not on a treadmill you got to get off of. So, however you want to tackle those two together,
1: long tenure is worth aspiring to both for the good of the church and for the good of the pastor. For the good of the church, because you really have the opportunity to make long-term generational difference by staying somewhere for a while. I want to I want to affirm what Mark Dever has said, that most pastors overestimate what they can accomplish in one year and underestimate what they can accomplish in 10. Mm-hmm. There's real wisdom and truth to that. You can help the church get in a healthier place by staying a longer time if God's called you to do that and if that's where you're supposed to be. That makes it sound like, healthy for the church in terms of organizational and structural decisions and programming and administration and stuff like that, it's also healthy for each individual member of the flock, each sheep in the Lord's flock, if you will, for them to experience what God wanted them to have in marriage is the long-term love of one spouse. And I think it's also comforting and healthy and stabilizing for them to have the long-term love of a pastor in their life, who's been there with them through ups and downs. And it's also, I think, good for the pastor to have that kind of long-term stability. And I think one, one story that illustrates that in both ways, both directions. Recently, there was a death in a family at FBC Farmersville. And so I, I went to the home, knocked on the door, the door was open, and I went in. This was, I think, death number four that I had ministered to this family through. Number one, I knock on the door, I come in, and I've got to kind of know what to say or what to do to comfort them and to point them toward the Lord's truth. Number four, all I have to do is open the door and walk in because I've been that presence and served that function in their life over the course of two decades. I've become someone whose mere presence is comforting to them in a time of death because of the long tenure, because of the ongoing interaction with them. It really helps them more, and it's easier for me. And I'll tell you, silly as this may sound, some people may understand this, some people may not, part of what makes it hard to think about leaving FBC Farmersville is that there are people that I can't stand the idea that somebody else will preach their funeral. Mm, That's sweet. People that I can't stand the idea that somebody else will Will be there you know when they get married because I'm at the point now where I'm baptizing grandchildren of people I've baptized there's personal reward and blessing in that, and I think you know the way to cultivate that you've talked about some healthy things. I think if you envision long term membership from the get go, you'll be able to avoid some of those stresses and some of those fears right off the bat. There's a difference in preaching, even. I get up to the pulpit at Midwestern Seminary today to preach chapel message. And this is the impression that I get to make. And I don't know whether I'll ever be back again to make another impression and certainly be a different student body if I do. But FBC Farmersville, you always have the opportunity to say, that wasn't a home run today. It was a base hint or maybe a bunt, occasionally sacrifice fly. But I get to bat again next week. And my focus is not on delivering home run sermons every week. It's more of a moneyball kind of approach to preaching where you just look and say in the aggregate on the whole, I want the effect of a year's worth of sermons to be better health in my congregation because the word of God has been preached to them. And the same thing in administration to look and say I don't have to achieve all of my goals this month or this year, but to look and say I'm still gonna be here. The Holy Spirit's still at work over the course of time. I can pace myself because I believe in what can be achieved gradually, bit by bit, over the course of time. And in all of that, the thing that you cannot defer, the thing that has to be tended to today is relationships with the people who are in your church. If they know that you love them, individually and aggregately, if they know that you love that church and love those people, you'll get the space to accomplish those things over the long term that you want to accomplish.
0: Bart, we'll leave it there. Thank you for joining me today on Preaching and Preachers, and thank you for your faithfulness at First Baptist Farmersville. Now for 23 and a half years, and may the Lord use this conversation to strengthen those ministries of the listeners who've joined us. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.